What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage. I apologize about the delay and the gap between our last episode and this episode. Uh, one of the challenges of starting this podcast was that humbly I also still run a marketing company and still really want a, a high production value and a high value product for you guys, my listeners, to the podcast. And so uh, we've actually have a bunch of amazing episodes already recorded with some guests. So I'm super excited to share to you. So my promise, uh, pinky, pinky promise to you is that those episodes will come out this week. I'm excited to share those with you. Just wanted to pop on here real quick. I uh, have a, a, about a half an hour here uh, before my next meeting or something I need to get into. And I wanted to share a thought that was really on my mind today. And that's the idea that at 18, 21, 23, 25, and 30, that for whatever reason are absolutely almost many midlife crises, and especially some of those younger ones in there, the 18, 21, 23, 25, you know, they're happening almost every other year, and then you kind of have that five-year stint. And so I'm actually about to turn 28 this Sunday on October 27th, so I haven't quite reached uh, the 30 number yet, but I can absolutely tell you that... The idea of thinking of, I'm almost 30, I'm still single, I started a marketing company, I have no 401k, no life savings, nothing, uh, absolutely will make you think twice um, and, and definitely give you some anxiety and pressure along the way. So I wanted just to just share some encouragement with you that whether you're younger than any of those ages, older than those ages, right at those ages, that if you're feeling kind of that pressure of I need to get my life together, I haven't got my life together, something big needs to happen, I, I don't have anything significant going on in my life, why does everyone else my age have something going on? Totally this idea of FOMO will absolutely constrict you, put your life in park, keep you from moving forward, and for a lot of people um, can bring a lot of anxiety and depression and, and a lot of feelings of I'm, I'm not adequate or I'm not good enough. And these are all kind of some thematics we've talked about on this, this podcast so far. But again, I just wanted to take a second to tell you that today, if you are feeling any of those stages in life, that you are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you and you are normal. When I look back at myself and I say, okay, what was I doing at 18? I was, uh, for me, I graduated high school. I was going on to college when I was 18 and absolutely knew nothing about what I was doing. For me, at 18, I was running away from, you know, a lot of um, shame and some guilt and some disappointment um, in my hometown. You know, at the time, I had a serious girlfriend and uh, had, had found out that that person had cheated on me uh, when they actually went to their college orientation with their counselor. And I found it, you know, over a text message. And so, you know, when I actually look back at now almost 10 years ago, this weekend at 18, you know, there were a lot of things going on in my life that I was uncertain of that I felt like I just need to run away from. And that was kind of a big thematic if you listen to you know, any of the episodes where I'm personally talking about my journey, not interviewing someone, is that I spent a good majority of my early years, you know, running away from things rather than learning to sit and deal with them and to deal with the pain up front, rather than trying to package them down and kind of say, let's save this for a rainy day later in my life. Or let's just try to keep up the ante and do something bigger and better and hope that I'll forget it, which absolutely does not ever work out at all. So at 18, 
it, it was a tough part for me. You know, life was equal parts sad and disappointing and unknown and equal part exciting because, you know, I chose to leave North Carolina, leave Charlotte, where I was from, where everyone was staying to go to UNC, Chapel Hill, NC State, East Carolina, you know, Duke, all those local in-state great schools. And I instead chose to go to Auburn down in Alabama, which is about five and a half hours drive from where I was growing up in high school. And I knew absolutely no one. I remember at the time, uh, there was no one from my school of, I graduated with almost 500 people um, in my graduating class that were going to Auburn. And now there's actually a lot of different people that uh, go to Auburn from the Charlotte area. But at that time, it was relatively an unknown school. I remember going in with my uh, high school counselor and saying, hey, I'm going to Auburn. Uh, when they come in and you kind of say, you know, where are you going to college? What is your next decision? And just so that they're aware. And then also there was kind of like this cool, like, where's everyone going in your class wall? And kind of had your name in your college. And I remember she was like, is that in New York? And I was like, no, you know, I think you're thinking of Albany. Uh, but this is Auburn, actually in Alabama. And she had no clue what that was. Um, so for me, 18 was just a, a lot of unknowns. It was a lot of time of disappointment of not really being sure of myself or what I wanted to do. You know, luckily I went into college knowing I wanted to do business, but I wasn't sure. So fast forward to 21, which is kind of, in my opinion, the next uh, life wake up call uh, or milestone, if you will, in those early formative years where you're like, uh, okay, I can, I can legally drink alcohol now. Uh, you know, I can, I can do this. I feel grown up for the first time. Uh, you know, something significant happened in the sense that, again, you get like a special driver's license because now <laughs> instead of it being up and down vertical, now you actually have an adult horizontal driver's license and you feel really old and, uh, you know, you feel like you can go to the bars and drink and, you know, do all that stuff. Um, you know, at the time in my life also then, so I would have been a junior in college. Uh, yes, a junior. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think this through because I was a little bit off because again, my, my birthday is in October. And so like college started in August. So like, remember I, I even technically was like 19 as a freshman, 20 as a sophomore. Yeah. So 21 is a junior. So I, um, I, I can't really say much a lot about 21 other than like, I definitely used the fact that I could legally drink. Uh, to its fullest extent and had a lot of good times with friends and made a lot of friends but also still because at that time if you've listened to any of my life stories on other podcasts I've been interviewed or even on my own is you know I, I still hadn't quite had that ultimate come to Jesus moment both literally and figuratively where you know I was realizing I was carrying a lot of baggage a lot of disappointment you know around at the time and was simply just looking subconsciously for friends and things and people and jobs to, you know, be that North Star in my life that was going to give me the happiness and the purpose and, and the feeling of, of being noticed and, and seen by the people because I've always been a people pleaser. It always, you know, uh, fueled my, my energy off of people. I can certainly be rambunctious and crazy and energetic by myself, but I absolutely react to you know, the energy in the room and whether that's calm or quiet or what have you. And so that was kind of me at 21. I remember I went to a career job fair on campus because uh, you can start going to those your junior year. And, uh, you know, some of these big blue chip um, corporate America brands and businesses and companies will actually interview you simply because, A, their hiring process is 
really, really long, or they're already placing things, um, and they're all, or they'll even look at you, you know, for an internship. And I remember I was super disappointed because I interviewed, or I tried to interview with rather six different companies, gave my resume, and absolutely nobody would interview me. So that was uh, a signature part of 21 that I kind of laugh about now. Um, dealing with rejection, dealing with like, uh, nobody wants me. <laughs> Whether it was for sales or marketing or different companies I was interviewing for at the time at the college fair, uh, you know, no one wanted to interview me. And that was a really tough time and kind of a wake up call for me at 21 where I was like, yes, I'm having a lot of fun. Yes, I have a lot of friends. I'm super involved in student government and other things around campus, but I literally just whiffed on a career fair. And every single company that I wanted to talk to that I was even remotely interested, no one called me back, no one emailed me back, no one showed any interest, no one creeped my LinkedIn from any of these companies or these recruiters. Like, what am I doing wrong? So fast forward to 23, which is that next track on uh, kind of my spectrum of wake-up call ages or, or milestones where you're like, what the heck am I doing in my life or what should I be doing with my life? And so for me... You know, at 23, I would have graduated college um, uh, like six months prior to that. Yeah. And, and that, that May would have been graduation because my birthday is in October. And so I had gotten my job with Altria. I was working in Birmingham. Uh, this year is significant to me uh, because I was dating someone and I ended up breaking my collarbone and it was absolutely miserable so <laughs> that's why i remember about 23 but the reason i think 23 is an interesting age because i know that i'm kind of slightly older than most people just because of my late birthday and the way that i placed in school since a young kid was for most people 23 is the year that you graduate college and i know for me that this was a, a big moment just talking about graduating college that you're like okay i'm gonna become an adult there are a lot of first time feelings I remember the biggest one most vividly was realizing that as soon as you graduated college and you started your first real job, that there was no such thing as Christmas break. There was no such thing as summer. There was no such thing as, oh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my like low class load days. Um, you know, those are my sleep in days was five days a week. All of a sudden now for the rest of forever you know, I, I'm, I'm working. I, I have to be on it. I, I can't simply look to fall semester, spring semester, summer break, winter break, Thanksgiving break, all these additional times to kind of do whatever I want or get caught up on sleep or get caught up on life. You know, that doesn't exist anymore. Yes, you have PTO, but I remember that very vividly. That kind of hit me across the face one day. I woke up and was like, holy smokes. Things are a little bit different <laughs> than they ever have been before. And I, I remember feeling um, pretty affirmed that I got a really high-paying job, and that was all great. But like I said, I, I ended up breaking my collarbone that December, uh, a few months after I had turned 23. And then it ultimately basically caused me to lose my job because um, I was balancing being a workaholic and also only having one functioning limb. And I, the long story short, again, go listen to the Start South podcast uh, with me on it if you want to hear this full. It's like an hour and a half podcast of my life story, and I go into this in detail, and I'll certainly be talking about it um, in a separate episode on my own podcast here because I just need to do that 
is I, I, I ended up getting fired and I was dishonest about how much work I was putting into my job at the time because I was a workaholic and I, I ultimately needed like a whole another month to recover and I wanted to get back to my job immediately because I wanted to get promoted and I was just always have been a workaholic, still am a workaholic. And so that was kind of my signature um, year, which which was a tough year, right? And so I went from making all this money to all of a sudden being dead ass broke because I had all these medical expenses. I all of a sudden got fired from my job. And so I need to get out of my apartment lease. I didn't have a car because I was using a company car at the time. And so literally I had all this money saved up and it just went to zero. And so this was actually a really pivotal point in my life. If I look back on my life and maybe it is for you too, of wow, like things just got real, really quick. And it was an interesting time for me. And it ultimately, it led me to where I am today, and I'm super thankful for it. But I'm always fascinated by crossroads in life, whether that's your life or someone else's you know, is there's usually one or two decisions um, that you can go down. Um, if you're lucky, maybe, or unlucky, rather, <laughs> probably because there's it creates more tension and unknown and anxiety of maybe you have three or four or five different paths. But I'm always fascinated by crossroads, and I think that life... Uh, being a believer in Jesus for me, ultimately, you know, everything is going to work out because God promises us that. But I think it's 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 always a tough and interesting time watching people or, or even for yourself being at a crossroad because you spend so much time agonizing over the decision of should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I accept this job or should I exa- ex- you know, accept that job? Should I break up with him? Should I not break up with him? Should I move to this city? Should I not? And, you know, what I've learned at those times and those crossroads is ultimately – you know, A as a believer is is just praying and, and what what do you feel most at peace about? Uh, but B, uh, what makes you most happiest? You know, in the long run, what three years from now are you not going to regret that you, you know, shot your shot and you risked everything for that decision? And for me, that's ultimately what guides my decision making. I try not to spend too much time uh, sweating decisions and thinking about things, and I usually tend to learn from my mistakes. And as that plays out in a decision making process of you know, I'm just going to move forward. And if this is the wrong decision, then we'll pivot out of it in a few months or a year, whenever we come to that conclusion that this was not the wrong decision. The good news is about for a lot of those decisions, whether that's moving somewhere different, uh, accepting this job, uh, going to this school is in all honesty, those things are all fixable and you can pivot out of the opposite decision uh, because a city is always going to be a city. And you know, if it's the difference between moving to Nashville or L.A., if you try out L.A. and you hate it, you can simply move to Nashville. It's, you know, we make things a lot bigger deal than they need to be. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you're at a crossroads and uh, something about your life, is to simply just make a decision and feel confident in that and give it, you know, 110% of your best effort. And if things don't work out and you don't like the outcome and you get into it and you realize, eh, you know, this person isn't for me, this city's not for me, this job isn't for me to not feel the pressure to stay in it simply just because you're afraid of what people are going to think about you, but to pivot out of that. And, you know, even if that's trying a new profession that you're interested in or picking up a new hobby or starting from scratch and then, you know, in a new thing. And, and for me, 23, I was fired from a sales job and ultimately it led me to, you know, pursuing photography and, and marketing full time. And I absolutely loved it. And it's ultimately led me to where I am today. So, the next age on this age spectrum is 25, and the reason I think that this is such a significant, pivotal moment for people is both on a serious and not serious note. People are like, oh, I'm halfway to 50. What have I done with my life? Uh, but it, on a more detailed level, it's, again, this idea of what have I done with my life because now at 25, you've usually been out of college anywhere to 
uh, depending on kind of your age and how many AP credits you may have had going to college or, you know, how long it took you to do school or did you do summer school is, you know, you're anywhere between four and three years to two years, you know, since you've been out of college. And there's this feeling of, okay, what's next? I think the challenge about being at 25 is that for a lot of our lives growing up, you know, all the way through college, so middle school, elementary school, high school, even college, there was always this next thing on the horizon. So whether that was being in in high school and going to the next grade, or it was in middle school and going to high school, or you were on the JV team and now you're trying to get on the varsity team, or in college it was, you know, another year into your major and now you're in 201 classes versus 101 classes, or you're, you know, you're this another year farther into your training your sorority, or it was always looking to, if I can just make it to Christmas break, or if I can just make it to spring semester, or college football is around the season, you know, around the, is in season or around the corner, excuse me, that there was always kind of this next thing that was kind of the carrot in front of the horse for your life that you were able to look forward to. And now at 25, you have this realization that I've been out of college a couple of years now. And like I kind of went into on the 23 uh, rant and rave was, holy smokes, like there is no more breaks. Like this is forever. I'm working every day forever. And you've, you've really started to almost realize or potentially give you anxiety or, or this feeling of internal sadness of like, this is forever. You know, the next thing I can look forward to is retirement. Or for a lot of us, it's like, I want to get married or I want to have a kids or you start to kind of always gravitate towards that next thing. And I think that there's a lot of danger in that mentality that I would share with you because I definitely was that person that would gravitate towards those things. And it's really dangerous because you start to squander away days, months, weeks, hours. And if you look back and kind of the whole point of this podcast is to not have a zero day. And I think that one of the easiest ways to have a zero day where you get nothing done towards accomplishing your goal or dream, you know, in your life is to squander away the now. You certainly may not be the CEO of the company you wish you were. You may not have started the company yet. You may still, you know, feel... Um, not beautiful and feel overweight in the mirror and you may not be where you want to be but all of a sudden this idea of wasting the time that you do have right now because life is a gift and at any moment of any day your heart could simply stop beating and we take that for granted and so I just want to encourage you that if you're listening to this regardless of your age or even if you're 50 and you're listening to this to really value the time that you have every single day and and really value the impact that you can make not only for yourself, but on others by treating every single moment and second as a gift and understanding that there's that old saying, a death by a thousand cuts. Well, I think that there's life by a thousand cuts in the sense that you, again, could be so far away from your goal, but as long as you're making accurate, uh, meaningful, um, you know, strong steps every day towards your goal, that those little things over time when you look back will add up and, and be worth something. I, I think of this analogy visually that we all can relate to, and this is the idea, is if you started out the year January 1st, 2020, coming up, and if you simply said, if I just take all the change in my pocket every single day, whether I have any change or not, and I put it on my counter every single day, or I put it on my desk, or I put it on my nightstand or 
you know, in the kitchen or my, you know, in the bathroom by the mirror, where I brush my teeth every day. You may only be putting a penny down. You may be putting 50 cents down. In the grand scheme of thing, things, those are, you can't buy anything for that other than maybe save you like a piece of gum at a candy store. And those feel so insignificant and it's not going to change your life and it's not going to bolster your 401k or it's not going to buy you the car or the purse or the vacation that you want. But if you did that every single day for a year, I think what would happen is that you would actually run out of space by the end of the year on your countertop, in your kitchen, at your desk, because you have put so much change down on this surface that now these insignificant five cents here, 10 cents here, over the course of 365 days would actually total up to something pretty significant. It may not be the $300,000 for the Ferrari that you want, but I guarantee you, you're going to have at least $100, maybe more, maybe a few bucks less here or there. But the point I'm trying to make is that if we have this zero-day mentality and we allow it, whether consciously or subconsciously, to affect us, to penetrate our everyday thought and thinking that either, either I'm getting it done today or I'm not, either it's a zero or a hundred, that there is a lot of danger in that because you waste so much valuable time. And so similar to the change analogy I just said, is if you simply said, well, I'm only going to put down my change if I have a full dollar and change my pocket or not, I guarantee you, you would not get to that $100 mark at the end of the year. But rather, if you simply put the best and the most change that you had every single day out of your pocket on the counter, you're going to reach it by the end of the year. And so that's why I encourage you ultimately through this podcast is to just think about what are the simple steps? What are the little things? What are the three cents moves? What are the 10 cents moves? What are the quarters? What are the pennies? What are those things in my life that relates to the goal or thing I want to happen? And how can I put them into motion today? So that when I get 365 days from today, or from whenever you decide to truly start and go for it, which I hope is today, that you will look back and say, wow, look how far I've come. And so for me, when I look at that, I see that as such a, a, a crutch or a challenge that we're faced throughout our entire life, but we most become aware of it usually, in my opinion, around that 25 mark uh, you know, in our life because we're like, wow, like either look what I've got done you know, in these past couple of years since I've graduated. You've probably hopefully had your first promotion or job change or city change. Or you feel like you're stuck and you feel like nothing's changed. And wow, I'm 25 and I've already graduated and all my friends are married and look what all these people are doing. And, you know, this, this idea of FOMO like totally hits you really hard. The last one I want to touch on is 30. And I can't thankfully say I know exactly what it feels like to be 30. But what I can tell you and offer you is today is that, like I said, I turned 28 um, here in just a couple of days. And so I know what it feels like to be sitting in this position of, okay, this is my second to last 20-something birthday. I've only got one more birthday after this weekend to celebrate in my 20s, and then I hit 30. And I don't know about you, but I remember growing up and, or being in college, and just 30 felt like it was so far away in, in a good way. And it felt like you had so much time and wiggle room and things to 
you know, uh, mess up on and try. And, you know, as long as I kind of had my life together by 30, I was good. Like that was, that was whether consciously, I definitely remember moments of saying that to myself or subconsciously where I was like, you know, I can do whatever I want until 30. I can uh, still go to, you know, the same college bars when I go back for the football games, you know, at Auburn. And I won't feel weird because I'm still in my 20s. But when I hit 30, like, I hope I'm married. I hope I have kids. I hope I have blah, blah, and blah. And none of those things are going to happen by the time I'm 30. I guarantee you. <laughs> because I'm super single right now and starting up this company. And, I mean, hey, things can happen overnight um, in a good way. Not like that. I'm not planning on getting anyone knocked up or anything. This is terrible. But what I mean is, like, you know, God could place that person or that business deal you know, on my plate tomorrow. But there is definitely this feeling of I've now had to accept, like, I'm not going to be married, probably. I'm not going to have all these things. I used to tell people my life goal was to have a Ferrari by the time I was 30. That's not going to happen. Um, and so it's definitely this feeling of I had to get over this, like, no, I didn't fail. And I think that that's an important conversation that you have to honestly have with yourself at every single one of these milestones is this isn't a checklist. This isn't kind of your $200 in Pasco moment in Monopoly for your life. These are all just ages that for whatever reason, no one is sitting there standing us and, and standing there and judging us. No one is, you know, kind of standing there with a stopwatch saying, Susie, okay, Kevin, okay, Billy, you know, uh, you know, you've the, the cutoff was an hour and you know, it's coming up last lap. You better run a little faster or else you're not going to make the cut. I think we subconsciously and artificially put these checkpoints in our life because we subconsciously are looking at too many of our friends and peers and colleagues as our own checkpoints and our own kind of PE teachers sitting there timing us every single lap. And, and we kind of play this comparison game of, okay, well, you know, I remember the first time one of my good friends actually got married. And I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I still got, you know, Joe Schmo, one, two, three, four, and five. We're still single and we still can go out and have fun together. Well, now I'm kind of looking at it and pretty much all my friends are either married uh, or engaged. And I'm a, I'm a dude saying that. And so I can only assume that it's probably worse for girls in the sense that it's like, holy smokes, like I need to get married. Like, why have I met that person? I need to be, you know, going on more dates. I need to be putting myself out there. I need to be downloading dating apps. Like, why isn't this coming together for me? And it's really stupid because I think that that mentality obviously allows us to waste so much of our life and energy. And we stop making the best decisions that are for us in the long term. And we start simply looking at these milestones in our life as, as checklists. And we start saying, if I can just check the box that I'm married, if I can just check the box that I'm out of debt, that I don't have student loans, that, you know, my bank account, I have $10,000 saved, that I have this purse, this car, I live in this part of the city, you know, I've gone on this many vacations, I have this many Instagram followers, you know, I'm posting this many times a day, is we start, you know, optimizing our life to simply hit the checkboxes rather than enjoying, you know, the triumphs, you know, and the falls, because I think that there's a lot of joy, truthfully, to be had in saying I failed at something. Because that means you're trying really hard. You're trying, hopefully, you're trying hard. And you're doing things and you're putting yourself out there. Because I think that when we understand to see the lows as an old part of life, it helps us to enjoy the highs better. Because we know what it feels like to be broke. We know what it feels like to have student loan debt. We know 
the anxiety, the just not fun that we have when we're single. So that way we can appreciate our relationships and our marriages when we get there. Because if not, if we simply are living this checklist life of I need to have this and do this and, you know, be this, then when we get there, we're going to we're going to be really empty. And, and that's something that I found in my life that regardless of if it was with significant other, whether it was starting my own company, whether it was having this many followers on Instagram, which I do not have a lot of followers on Instagram. But I'm just saying, I, I hope you get the point that it's time to stop living life as checklists and enjoy the journey. That enjoy the process because one day you're going to regret it if you don't. You're going to be 90, 80, 70, and everything's going to be behind you. And you're going to realize that you simply were living the checklist checklist life. And now there's nothing left on your checklist but to die. And you've squandered your life away. And that's not meant to scare you and be super morbid, but it's about having an honest conversation with yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I just wanted to put that thought out there again. I will be putting out some more interviews this week because we've already recorded them. I simply need to sit down and post-produce them because right now I'm writing the episodes myself, I'm recording them myself, and then I'm editing myself, and then we do these really cool Instagram teasers for our interviewed guests. And so I want to apologize. Uh, it's already been, I think, a week or two, week and a half since I've put one out, and it's not because we don't have them, but I've simply fallen behind and have a lot of things going on in my life, and that's not an excuse because I am committed to this podcast and so I just appreciate you spending moments of your day with me, uh, with your with your thoughts. And I, I hope that this has been encouraging to you to not live this checklist, checklist life that regardless of if you're at any of these age checkpoints of 18, 21, 23, 25, or 30, to not feel pressured and to simply take those limits off yourself and realize those are not true checkpoints. They're all in your head. But to live life at the pace it comes to you and to have the joy and the love of living every single day one moment at a time. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. As always, please reach out to me on Instagram, DM at Eric Michael Savage. I love hearing from you. I love chatting. I love encouraging you in any way that I can and being of any help to you because it means a lot to me. Um, even if you just pop in and say, hi, I listened to this episode and it was great or I got a lot of this person or I'm listening to your podcast. Like, it truly impacts me just to know that you are listening because um, I do put a lot of work into this and sometimes it's definitely hard if like, wow, I need to go put in like six hours of work to get this podcast episode. I don't even know if anyone's listening, but as always, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I believe in you. We'll see you next time.